Hey, welcome, Faith Church. It's good to have you guys in the house, man. So good. Welcome all of our guests, VIPs, all of our Faith Church family. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg, our Faith Church family there. It's good to have you guys, our guests. Come on, can we show some love for the shows? It's good to have you guys in the house and everybody else watching online. Come on, we say it every week. We believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Hey, just want to fast forward real quick to the end of the service and we'll come back to the beginning. At the end of this service, want to let people know, man, there's going to be an opportunity for you to take a next step in following Jesus in water baptism. So if you're already ready, we're excited. If you didn't come ready, then get ready during this message. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to move forward in our spiritual journey. Well, listen, we're in week two of a series we started last week entitled Class is in session. And the conversation is, is so many students are getting ready back, getting ready to go back and have gone back to school, colleges starting, elementary school, and everyone in between. We thought it'd be a great opportunity for us as Christ followers to dig into this same conversation. Hey, class is in session. We are called Christ followers. We're called disciples, which means we're learners. And what we want to do through this series, again, today is week two, is we want to take a page out of the playbook of Jesus where in Luke chapter two, verse 52, we find out what Jesus was up to during this season that scholars call the 18 years of silence. Again, when you read the gospels, Jesus, we get his birth, we get just a piece of his life at age 12, and then there's silence for 18 years until Jesus's ministry goes public. And he begins to travel and walk around from region to region, city to city, preaching the kingdom of God, preaching repentance, and letting the world know who God is and what God is like. But again, it's during age 12 to age 30, these 18 years that we don't really know what Jesus was up to. But all of it is captured in Luke chapter two, verse 52. And it says this, these first two words of the verse, read it with me together. Come on, all of our campuses, Jesus grew. What was Jesus up to for 18 years? Jesus was intentionally growing. Now we talked about this last week and I'm gonna say this every week through this series. Ultimately, Jesus knew that he had to position himself for his purpose. He had to get himself developed to do what he was called by the Father to do. And what I want you to know throughout this series is if there's room for Jesus to grow, there's room for you to grow. As Christ followers, we should be growing. We should be moving forward. That's why we're doing water baptism is a next step for many of you to continue to grow in your spiritual journey. And I want you to know this, and this is really important. Why didn't Jesus start his ministry until age 30? Why didn't he start at 25 or 20? Well, I think at least we get from this verse that Jesus had to position himself. He had to prepare himself for his purpose. And some of you are waiting for something that you're not ready for, right? You're waiting for the right person. You're waiting for a relationship. You're waiting for a career. And sometimes maybe God's going to hold that back from you because you're not ready for it. If you get it too soon, you'll ruin it. And Jesus had a season of getting ready for the purpose that the father sent him for. And again, Jesus grew. And if Jesus has room to grow, so do you and I. The rest of the verse tells us how Jesus grew. It says, Jesus grew how? In wisdom and in in favor with God and all the people. Last week, we talked about that Jesus grew in wisdom. It's this idea that you and I, all of us, we can grow in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to have discernment, to make the right decision at the right time in the right way. And I just want you to know that all of our lives would be in a different place if we made better decisions at the right time. But the good news is that we can grow in wisdom. And today, we're going to talk about this conversation that Jesus didn't just grow in wisdom. He grew how? Stature. Everybody shout stature. Stature. Not a word we use a lot, 
But ultimately, it doesn't just mean chronologically. It doesn't just mean that Jesus grew up. It just doesn't mean he got some facial hair at the right time. But basically, Jesus grew physically fit. I want you to think about this for, this, for the morning. It's going to get awkward for some people. But Jesus, think about this. He intentionally prepared himself physically for the journey ahead of him. Have you ever wondered how far Jesus traveled? Scholars tell us that Jesus traveled on average 20 miles a day. Now, to put that in perspective, 20 miles here in our Florence campus, it's roughly 20 miles from our Florence campus to Lauderdale County High School. If you're in the Shoals, it's roughly 20 miles from our Lawrenceburg campus to Loretto High School. If you're in our Shoals campus, it's roughly 20 miles from our Shoals campus to Russellville Hospital. Now, I'm just telling you, Jesus wasn't rolling Uber. I know the Bible says the disciples were one accord. That wasn't a Honda. Jesus was riding the Shoe Leather Express. Think about that. Jesus was walking on average 20 miles a day, going from city to city, region to region, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, declaring the kingdom of God. Imagine the physical fit level it would take to travel that much. Scholars say if you lay out his life, just what's recorded in the gospels, which obviously doesn't record every day, every place he traveled, but if you just track where it does record that he traveled, that during a brief less than three year length of ministry, Jesus traveled almost 3,200 miles by foot. Now here's my point is if you're taking notes that Jesus had to be physically fit in order to fulfill his mission. Not just to walk the amount he walked, but remember he walked in and he overturned the money changers table. He carried the weight of the cross on his shoulders. And so if Jesus had to be physically fit in order to fulfill his mission, here's the question. Are you ready? Are you physically fit enough to fulfill your mission? It's going to be quiet today. I'm just, I'm just going to give you all a heads up. Now, this is going to be a tough conversation because obviously you already see based on the video, based on what we've gone so far, we're going to talk about physical fitness and health. Now, here's what's crazy going into this message. I didn't even want to preach this message. I thought the last thing I want to be viewed as is a self-help pastor. Hey, get physically fit. But the more I prayed and the more I studied and the more we take a page out of the playbook of Jesus, what you find is that physical fitness, your health matters. It's not surface, it is spiritual. And I just want you to know this, that this is something I think probably many of us wrestle with at different stages of life. We wrestle with body image and this is not a body image conversation, but we connect the two physical fitness and health with body image. And my goal today is not to be condemning to anybody, but to be challenging, to be biblical, to be encouraging. And I just would say this, that it's really important that we don't judge just on based on outward appearances. Everybody has different genetics. Everybody has different medical issues. Everybody has different metabolisms. And for all of you that are under 25, like, I don't need this message. Listen, that metabolism is going to slow down at some point, and you're going to come back to this message. Come on, can we just get an amen from everybody over 35? <laughs> Right, it's just part of this conversation. So again, but the issue is, watch this. The issue is we don't, we, this is so far off of our radar as far as a spiritual issue or a biblical issue. When it comes to our bodies, when it comes to health, when it comes to being physically fit, we don't think biblically. We are programmed in the culture we live to look at other issues than sometimes the main issues. And not just out in the world, but in the church, it's so easy to focus on some stuff and say that's an issue and ignore other things that are equally or more so an issue. Let me give you 
An example, back in the 19th century, there were two men, maybe you recognize their names, D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon. D.L. Moody, if you don't know who he was, he was an incredible pastor and evangelist here in America. God used him to do incredible things. Equally, during the same time frame as D.L. Moody, there was a man who lived over in London who captured the name of the title as the Prince of Preachers. His name was Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was an incredible author. He was an incredible preacher. Many of his sermons have been translated and transcribed into books that lots of people have. And they mutually uh, respected each other. And they longed to have the opportunity to meet each other. One day, D.L. Moody had the opportunity to travel to London. And the way the story is told is he walked up to Charles Spurgeon's house and knocked on the door. Charles Spurgeon opened the door. And when he greeted D.L. Moody, he had a cigar hanging out of his mouth. Now, that was just, I mean, smoking was a sin. And D.L. Moody was so shocked that Charles Spurgeon would be smoking a cigar. It said that he said, how can a man of God do that? which Charles Spurgeon took a step down off of his stoop and pointed to the rotus belly of that time overweight D.L. Moody said the same way a man of God can do that. See, it's funny how we focus on some stuff and we miss other things that are just important. And I want you to know today, as we lean into this, Jesus grew in stature. So part of our journey should be growing in stature. And so here's a couple of verses I want us to go through just real quick. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Let's read this together. Come on, Lawrenceburg Shoals. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Have you ever thought about that, that you can eat or drink to the glory of God? We don't tend to think that way, do we? We think of so many other ways that we can glorify God, that we can bring God honor out of our lives. Now, obviously, the Apostle Paul, he's, just, he's using this phrase to say, even in the small details of life, they matter to God. But don't miss the fact that he's saying the way you eat and the way you drink, what you eat and what you drink, how much you eat and how much you drink, your physical fitness and your health, it can be used in a way to glorify God. Are you glorifying God the way you eat or you drink? Here's another one. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul said to young Pastor Timothy. He said, physical training... It's good. I want y'all to notice this is in the Bible. This is scripture. Let's say it again. Every voice. Physical training is good. It's good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So real quick, there's probably two groups of people primarily in this room. He's saying to those who are physically fit, like you grind in the gym, you have a regular habit of being in the gym and taking care of yourself or taking walks or you're conscious of your diet. What he's saying is, hey, if, if you're so physically fit that you're not paying attention to your spiritual journey, you're overemphasizing the wrong area of your life. You should be reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, loving your neighbor as much if not more than you spend in the gym. But for all of you that are like, man, I'm just loving Jesus and the Bible says it's better to do that. It's saying it's better to do one, but we should still be doing both. Come on, physical training is, everybody shout good. It's good. It is good. So I want us to lean into a conversation as, as we take off. The Apostle Paul, he drops this body theology conversation. And again, he brings this point that most of us don't pay attention to. I've been in ministry 30 years. I've never preached a message on being healthy. But I believe, again, it's important in what Jesus did that your physical body, your physical fitness, your health matters. And so the Apostle Paul, he tackles this conversation, body theology in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. He says this in verses 19 and verse 20. 
He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must, come on, read it with me, honor God with your body. Now, again, I want you to notice just the first part of this verse again. He says, don't you realize, rhetorical question, don't you know, don't you realize, aren't you aware that your body, this thing that you're looking at and the thing I'm looking at, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, back in, in, in the first century, there were buildings erected all over the place, temples to worship gods. And the idea is this, this Roman pantheon of gods, this Greek pantheon of gods that different people who worship these gods would show up at the building and they would bring some kind of offering or some kind of sacrifice to worship these gods. And the mindset is that, a, that, that gods need a building to dwell in. Well, I want you to know something really clearly. God's not hanging out in the church waiting for you to show up on Sunday. Jesus made it very clear. The moment you give your life to Christ, the moment you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. If you're taking notes, your body is God's building. Come on, somebody. He doesn't dwell in the buildings made with the hands of men. Your body is God's building. That means wherever you go, God is with you because God lives on the inside of you. He's taken up resident in your life. Your body is God's building. Now, again, this, this is hard because what I have found is that I think in all of our lives, we tend to create these, these false lines. And we say some stuff is in and some stuff is out. Some stuff is spiritual and some stuff isn't. Some stuff matters to God and some stuff doesn't. And the reason Paul is having this conversation is he says, I think there's a lot of us that have said our body doesn't matter to God. Like, hey, if you, if you show up to church, that matters. If you read your Bible, that matters. If you love your neighbor, that matters. But your body, no, nah, man, just do whatever you want with your body. It doesn't matter. And the reason the apostle Paul is having this conversation, and I want you to know it matters all the time because this is God's word, but I believe it matters most in the current age we're living, in the society we're living in, that your body matters to God. At the end of the day, just because your body's God's building. And the reason he has this conversation is because something was happening then that happens, I think, a lot in our culture. The Apostle Paul is having a conversation on the cravings that's happening in the city of Corinth. Anybody here have an appetite for anything? Got appetites? We have appetites, right? We have appetites for acceptance. We have appetites for approval. We like the likes on Facebook and social media. Come on, we, we like pursuing money and resources. We like being loved by our spouse and our kids. All of us have appetites that want to be fed. But if we're not careful, can I just get an amen here? If we're not careful, our appetites can spin out of control. Has anybody here ever experienced an appetite getting out of control? So the Apostle Paul, he's got to have this hard conversation because the appetites and the cravings of God's people have gotten out of control. And so before the verses we just read in 19 and 20, he introduces this conversation in verse 12 and verse 13. Listen to what he says. You say, he's talking to Christians like you and I, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, air quotes, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, but though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. Come on, read that with me. Your bodies, they were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about. Come on, what's the Lord care about? Our bodies. Now, here's a really crazy conversation. So what was happening 
was many people who had come to Christ, they were Jewish. They were from the nation of Israel. That was the primary audience in the first century to the gospel. And they had been raised under the law. And the law had all these dietary restrictions of what you could eat and what you couldn't eat. And one of the primary restrictions was you couldn't eat pork. No pork chops, no bacon. Come on, somebody. And then they came to Jesus and they find out you're not saved based on what you do or don't do. You're not saved based on what you eat. We are saved on what Jesus has already done for all of us. Come on, somebody. He's done a finished work. So they started taking this Christian liberty thing saying, wait a minute, I can eat some bacon, BLT. Come on, bacon, eggs. Come on, toast. And they started eating some bacon and some pork chops. And so they started taking advantage of eating what they couldn't eat and their cravings got out of control. And there was a saying in the first century, you might've seen it on a bumper sticker back in the day, not a car because it didn't happen, but a horse and buggy. And the saying of the day was that the stomach's for food and food's for the stomach. So if you'd walk up to somebody who was overeating, who was eating bacon for the first time and lots of it, they would say, whoa, 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 you can't judge me because the stomach's for food and the food's for stomach. And it sounds rational, doesn't it? But what he's saying is, no, no, no. Your body has a higher purpose than just your pleasure. It's God's place. It's not just to make you feel good. And so he, he addresses not only food. Again, people are saying, what else, what else is the stomach for if not to pack it with food? And what Paul is saying is, yeah, it's okay to put food in your stomach, but your stomach has a higher purpose than just food. It'd be the same way what people would say is, well, God's given me sexual organs. So why would God give me these if he didn't want to satisfy myself with sex? And what Paul is saying is, wait a minute, just because you have some liberty, there are some boundaries to your liberties. Come on, y'all track with me. And so why you can eat and enjoy food and you can do your thing, what Paul is saying is at the end of the day, while you can enjoy what God's given you and there's even a necessity to some of the appetites, there are boundaries to your passions. And at the end of the day, the boundary is recognizing that your body belongs to the Lord. Your body is God's building. Come on, somebody. How are you taking care of the building that God has given to you? I think probably the way the conversation will be today in modern terminologies, and we hear this is, it's my body, it's my choice. Have you ever heard culture say that? It's my body, it's my choice. Well, if you're not a Christ follower, I'll give it to you. But if you claim to belong to Jesus, if you claim he's your Lord and your savior, I want you to know that your body's not yours. And your body has a purpose. In fact, maybe you don't know this, but part of the purpose of your body is your spirit is invisible. Your essence of who you are. Your body's visible. Your body should be a visible expression of your invisible passion. Let me say that again. Your body should be a visible expression of your invisible passion, of your, of your faith, of what you believe, of your values. You should be living it out in your body. And so your body has a purpose. That's why Paul said it this way in Romans. He says this, he says, so come on, watch this. Use your whole body as an instrument to do right for the glory of God. Now, if you're tracking with me so far and you're like, I don't know about this pastor. I don't know if I'm in, you know, I don't know if I like this. I, I, I like eating what I want to eat. I like doing what I want to do. I like not caring about my body. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just want you to know I'm with you. I, I enjoy time with Jesus, but I, I enjoy time with Ben and Jerry's too. Where's my emotional leaders at? Anybody here, I'm, I'm right my, anybody here an emotional eater? You had a rough day, you had a bad day, and you soothed it with some ice cream? <sighs> Chunky monkey? Come on, somebody. Fish food? 
Where are my fish food people at? Woo! Double brownie delight. Oh, sweet Lord. Just makes you feel good. He said, I get it. So if you're, if you're tracking like, Pastor, come on, man, take it. Let's talk about prayer. You're talking about the body. It's my body. It's my choice. It's not your body. Watch what he says. First Corinthians chapter six, he goes on, he says this. He says, your body doesn't belong to you for God bought it with a high price. Whose body is yours? Well, it's not yours. It's his. Anybody here remember the prayer? I very, I very distinctly remember praying a prayer that said something like this. Lord, I give you my life. Anybody remember praying that? Lord, I give you my life. Well, did you mean it? Because he took it and not only took you at your word, but he paid for you. Jesus laid down his life so he could have your life. He gave you his life. And what he asked for in return is that you give him your life. And so your body is not yours. It belongs to God. If you're taking those, Jesus paid a significant price for your purchase. It costs him his blood. That's what we celebrate in worship. That's what we celebrate in our spiritual journey is because Jesus laid it all down, because he laid down his life, because he shed his blood. That's how we're forgiven. That's how we're children of God. That's how we have a living relationship with our heavenly fathers because Jesus gave it all for us. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful for the sacrifice of an incredible savior? And so he says, I gave you my life. You give me yours. So your body is God's building. And it's been purchased with a high price. So if it is, if it is God's place, and if your body has been purchased, it's got a purpose. You got a purpose. Notice, notice what he says. He says, so therefore, because your body has been purchased, because your body is God's place. So therefore, because of those things, you must honor God with your body. What does it mean to honor God with your body? He goes and on says this, your body, your body ultimately has a godly purpose. The reason God's given you a body is God wants to use it. God wants to do something through your life. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter two. This is one of my favorite verses. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say that. Just forget the verse I'm on. Forget the subject I'm on. Everybody, let's just say that. For we are God's masterpiece. Did you ever realize you're a masterpiece? I don't think we often look in the mirror and think I'm a masterpiece. Man, we are, I don't know about you, I just talk for myself. I shred myself. I don't like that about me. I don't like that about me. I wish I could change that. I wish I could go see somebody, have some of that cut off. Wish I had something added. Hope I got, just, I don't like this about my personality. I don't like this about my, you know, anybody here shred yourself? That's your opinion. You know what God's opinion? Oh, come on, y'all gotta hear this. You are God's masterpiece. The God who made all of creation, the rainbow, the fish in the sea, the stars in the sky. When God looked at you, you know what he said? Mm -mm, they are good. You are God's masterpiece. What did he create you for? He tells us, watch this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Everybody read this, all of our campuses. So we can do the what? Do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, here's where I think the rubber meets the road is, again, God's giving you a purpose for your body. In the same way Jesus needed to be physically fit in order to fulfill his purpose, the reason some of us need to be physically fit is because you need to fulfill your purpose. If you're not healthy, if you don't have longevity, if you're not here for the endurance of God's call on your life, if you don't have the strength, if you don't have the stamina, 
if you don't have the ability, if you wear out too soon, if you tap out too quick, you'll miss the reason God put you here on planet earth. God has a long-term purpose and plan for your life. Remember what I talked about Jesus? Did Jesus travel 20 miles a day? Have you ever thought about Moses? Did you know Moses, he didn't even take up leadership of the nation of Israel in the, in the wilderness until he was age 80. He was an octogenarian. That's when he started it. And he lived to 120 years old. He could have never been the leader God called and ordained him to be unless he had the physical capacity and stamina to be so. Can I just talk real for a minute? Back when, uh, anybody here remember when you was in high school, how small you were? I know, it's sad to think about, isn't it? When I graduated high school, I was 180 pounds, lean, mean, fighting machine. 180 pounds. I have, a, I have a shirt that I wore when I was a sophomore in high school. I still have it. It breaks my heart when I look at it. I think there's no way I ever fit in that. I mean, it's just it's impossible. And like probably many of you, when I graduated high school, went off to college, and it really wasn't my first two years. It was my first year in Bible college. I put on my freshman 15 in, in the sophomore 20. Anybody tracking with me? Anybody remember those days? By the time I was 30 years old, even though I graduated high school at 180, by the time I was 30 years old, I was about 240. Just kind of doing life, just eating what I want, living life. I always excuse it. I got a big frame. I'm a bigger guy. I'm six foot three. It's weird. A lot of times people see me off the platform. They're like, man, you're way taller. Um, you know, I'm about six three. So I kind of excuse it, right? Wasn't, didn't feel great, but I thought I'm okay. Had some ups and downs. Tried to lose a little, gained a little, tried to lose a little, gained a lot. When I came here to be the pastor of Faith Church at age 40, about 10 years ago, I was 280 pounds. Kind of wrestled. Some of you who've been here long enough, you've seen my journey, you've seen me wrestle. Went from 280 to 260 to 290, 250. In 2017, our church had grown. We wanted to remodel the worship center, took out pews, put in seats for seating capacity. Some of you were here. And you remember we were in the gym for about six months while the worship center was being remodeled. And during that season, I remember this moment very distinctly. I can tell you the sermon series I was preaching was a series entitled Follow Me. And I remember getting on that platform. At that point, I was about almost 300 pounds. And it may not look like I do a lot of work up here, but this really is physically exhausting. I do this a couple times a day. I can tell you I go home tired. It's emotionally, spiritually, physically. But it doesn't help if you're fat. And I remember getting on that platform in 2017. I remember preaching and being winded. Y'all ain't, I was winded talking. <laughs> Let that sink in. And I remember having conversations with my wife and I thought, you know what, like I, I need to be healthier. Just, I mean, it's an image thing for everybody. If you say it's not, you lie. But two things I thought, one, how can I ever stand on this platform and be the leader God's called me to be and not have an area of my life in discipline? I can't, I can't challenge you as your pastor, let's follow Jesus if I'm not following Jesus. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I'm not perfect, never claim to be, I'm not, but I strive to live what I preach. Number one, so I, gotta, I have a responsibility to lead the people God's given me. But number two, I can't preach if I can't breathe. And if God's called me to preach and I'm too fat because I can't breathe, 
then it's my response. Are y'all tracking with me? What I'm telling you is, listen to me, God has ordained and called every one of you in this room to good works. And you can't fulfill the good works that he's given you to do. What do good works look like? It's using your mouth to speak his glory and his praises. It's using your hands to serve people around you. It's using your feet to walk in the direction that God's going to send you. But it takes strength and stamina and ability that some of us don't have because of how we're eating, how we're living, and how we're mismanaging, abusing, and using our bodies. And Jesus is saying, if I've ordained you to a call and purpose on your life that will take you to age 70. But if you die at age 50, you'll miss the reason I put you on planet earth. You need those 20 years to serve God and bring light to this dark world. Come on, somebody. You got to take care of your body. Now I'm still fighting the fight and I still want McDonald's. I told you that the other week. I ate McDonald's like twice that week talking about it. it made me hungry for it. I'm fighting. I'm just telling you, part of your spiritual journey isn't just fighting the devil. And it's not just fighting this corrupt world. Part of our spiritual battle is fighting the appetites and cravings on the inside of us that are taking us off track of the call and the purpose that God has for us. Your body is God's building and your body has a godly purpose. And until you're healthy and physically fit, you will miss the purpose that God has for you. Now hear this, being unhealthy, this is important. Being unhealthy doesn't just compromise your purpose, but God's plan. See, God's purpose is the difference between God's purpose and God's plan. God's purpose is what he wants to do through you. That God wants to use us as his hands and feet. God wants to do something through our lives. But the difference is what God wants to do to you. God just doesn't want to use you. There's some stuff God wants to bless you with. There's some things that God wants to do to you. And it's captured in John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Some translations say life to the full. Can we say that together? Life to the full. One, two, three, life to the full. I want you to think about this thought as I get ready to close. Some of us, because we're not managing our body well, we're not doing much with our health. If anything, by not managing it well, we are working against the plan of God. What God is trying to do for you, you're working the other direction. None of us would think that way. But listen to this. I want to make sure I read this and get this right. The U.S. adult obesity rate stands at 42.4%. That's increased 26% since 2008. So we're fat and we're getting fatter. Let me give you more bad news. Are you ready? The church are the fattest people in this nation. I know you're like, I'm quitting church. Now, again, this, this, is not, this is not, it's not a weight issue. You can, be, you can be healthy and not really be a fit. Like, it's a journey. So nobody get condemned. It's not just about obesity. In fact, let me just give you some good news. Side, this lady came up to me. I see people. I get the privilege of people run, Pastor, I go to your church, and they'll tell me stories, and I love to hear them. And, uh, this, this, uh, this lady came up to me this last week. I was going into the gym, and she was coming out, her and someone else that attends here. And she's like, Pastor, I just want you to know that that I really felt like I needed to quit smoking. I didn't even say anything about smoking. She said, I really felt like the Lord challenged me to quit smoking. And I decided Sunday morning to quit smoking. I just want you to know, I'm not, I've smoked for 20 years and I've not smoked a cigarette for two weeks. Now, if you smoke for 20 years and you ain't smoked for two weeks, you know that's a victory. Come on, let's celebrate. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think God's like, oh, I love you more because you quit smoking? No. God doesn't love you based on what you do. God loves you based on who he is. 
But if you quit smoking, you got more money he can use and you got more years he can use and God can get more glory out of your life if you're here a little bit longer and you're managing the body he's given you that's not really yours, it's his. You're managing his body on his behalf. Come on, somebody. It's part of our stewardship. So if you're not taking care of yourself, listen to this. If you're obese, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type two diabetes, coronary heart disease, strokes, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, many forms of cancer, sleep apnea and breathing problems, which I experience, body pain and difficulty with physical functioning, sometimes even walking, mental illness, this is a big one. Our, our nation right now wrestles with this. Part of what's driving it is because we are not physically taking care of ourselves. Mental illness, such as clinical depression, anxiety, and other mental disorders. What I'm telling you is if you're not managing your body, you're working against the life that Jesus came, you to, came to bring you. Say, so what, 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 what are you saying, Pastor? I, I, I don't know. Change what you're eating. Eat less of it. Get out of your house and move. I can't tell you what's right for you, but I think all of us in this room and all of us in Lawrenceburg and all of us in Shoals, if we were just honest, we would say, you know what? I'm probably not managing this as well as I need to. We're so busy trying to manage our finances and manage our family and manage our careers. It might feel like one more thing. And I'm not here to overwhelm you. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And it sounds like it's contrary. Pastor, wait a minute. Jesus said he's given us rest. You're giving us work. Well, here's what I found is if you will serve God's purpose and God's plan, you'll fall in love with it as if it was your purpose and your plan all along. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you'll really find out that was always the greatest direction for my life. And so while taking care of your body seems like extra work, it's really the thing that'll drive your life to the joy that Jesus came to give you. Let's stand all over our room. Come on, Lawrenceburg Shows, I wanna pray with you. Father, Lord, this is a heavy conversation. Lord, I pray no condemnation. I pray no shame. Father, this is about us managing the resource that you've given us. And Father, all of us in this room can do better. So Lord, again, I love what Pastor Ronnie said. Lord, where, where do we begin? Lord, if, if, if we start over, Lord, if we, if we start, Lord, we just gotta start somewhere. And so Father, I pray God that you would speak, Lord, distinctly to every heart. I pray in Jesus' name, you speak, God, to every person, Lord, what it is that we need to do in our current stage of life, God, to better manage and take care of the body that belongs to you. Father, we want your purpose. Come on, y'all, lift your hands. Father, we want your purpose. We want your plans for our life. We don't wanna miss one second of what you created us to do. And so Father, I pray, God, you will help us Lord, to be conscious and to be aware of the temple you've given us that you live in and God, to use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, come on, at all of our campuses, everyone said amen. Come on, can we thank God for the word?